Ready on the roar. Wanting that four try bonus point here, Australia. To stay alive in the World Cup. Amal Silly launches over Tajir. And waiting to us here. Over to McWright. Fraser McWright runs it in. And there is the four try bonus point for the Aussies. 47th minute. And that's what they're after. Yes, that's what they were after, and that's what they got. The Wallabies with the bonus point win over Portugal in Senate in this morning, Australian time. And Australia's Rugby World Cup campaign is kind of still alive, if you want to hold on to hope of Portugal beating Fiji next weekend. Brett McKay with you for the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate, powered by ASICS. And I'm joined by my regular Raw Rugby podcast co-host, Harry Jones, and Jeff Parks coming to us from San Sebastian in Spain for the instant reaction to Australia's 34-14 win over Portugal. They got there in the end, boys. They got the job done. Yeah, so I suppose now all of the Australia becomes supporters of Portugal. But uh, <laughs> if, if, if we're going to go headlines, I'll throw one at you. No, we Portugal. Go Portugal. It goes from no Portugal to go Portugal in one instant. And I think that Portugal is one of the most <laughs> entertaining uh, teams out there. Um, if, if you're looking at reasons to expand Portugal's yeah. play, the way they play, the way their, their supporters uh, came and supported them, uh, the style, the, the proper rugby, I thought that was genius. At times it looked like Really throwback, 1980s breakaways, mad wingers, uh, strange-looking 15, uh, insane number nine. Uh, it just mm. looked like like the French, maybe, playing in the 90s or early 90s. And a, and a, and a fly half who's graduated straight from the under-14s into Test Rugby as well. I mean, how <laughs> young was he? How young was he? You uh... Nice left boot, though. Yes, can certainly can play. No doubt about that. You all know and love the instant reaction format. It's our immediate post-match thoughts on what we've just seen in San Etienne. Um, Harry's already done his headline, but Jeff and I will follow suit here in a minute and we'll go through those. We'll move on to stocks rising and falling after this match. And then with, with Australia having next weekend off before they properly learn their fate, we'll offer some initial thoughts on uh, on their France 2023 campaign. So let's get into it uh, with some headlines. And, Jeff, you can follow suit here with Harry having done his already. Uh, yeah, well, I've got a headline. Uh, Wallabies scratch out a win against a side too poor to be able to wash their jerseys before the game. <laughs> That's a hell of a headline. It's a long headline. Mate. That's the whole That's page. A long headline. <laughs> it is. But, um, That's no, Daily look, uh, Mail territory. Portugal, uh, I agree with you, Harry. Uh, they really added something to this uh, group. Um, I think they've been terrific all along and they're terif- terrific again today. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the the dirty wash across the uh, the shoulders and the chest, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, the... Uh, you know, the one thing that I would say about them is that they've got the same thing that all of those developing nations have got, which is an inability to to finish. Uh, the skills let them down at critical times. They lack a little bit of composure. And we saw that when they were up 15 against 13, and they didn't really know how to make that work. No. Um, and that's that's typical. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's a fair point. They didn't really make Australia pay there for that eight, eight and a half minutes at all, really, did they? It was, it's, a, it's a fair point. My headline is simply, job done, now we wait. They, the Wallabies did what they had to do. They, they won with the bonus point. They're now ahead of Fiji on the Pool C standings. And now, I mean, I don't know how they go this week in, in France. They're going to have to, I suppose, keep training and they're going to have to try and prepare or try and get used to the idea of, of, of playing again and prepare for a quarterfinal that they almost certainly won't get to. You're, you're the amateur psychologist here, Harry. How do you get a team up for that? Uh, I don't know if you do. Um, I, I think this is interesting. I was watching the psychology of this team and it looked like there were some players that were pent up frustration. They were, they were almost like England celebrating little wins that really almost embarrassing. Um, mm. And, but I felt like that was pent up frustration. Yeah. Like, on. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> it's Portugal guys. <laughs> and um like there were times when Portugal would be run into by uh, Corobetti, and I literally remembered reading the journal of Lewis and Clark, the great explorers going across North America. And the first time they ran into a grizzly bear, because no one had ever told them about a grizzly bear, fair, and no one could even imagine how big it could be. It was like they were getting hit by an animal that they had never seen before. I mean, Corobetti was made of concrete against these guys. Uh, so it should have been an easier win. There were times when the Wallabies were trapped in their 22 for five, six minutes. I think there were several times when Portugal put together 14 phases, 13 phases. Mm. So I would think the coaches would have enough to work with to say, look, if we do, if we do get in, there's things we have to work on. This isn't good enough. But also you're a young player and you're probably thinking, I don't think this Portugal can, be, can beat that Fiji. <laughs> that uh, Fiji. So, yeah. <laughs> right? I don't know. Like, yeah. all, it's a bunch of quarterbettis. They're just going to run into you and, and massacre you. Um, I mean, it looked physically like some of the backline players for Portugal will not be able to match up with Fiji. But who knows? They looked very fit. And Fiji looks yeah. uh, a little bit like they've been enjoying their food in France. It, feel, it feels like, Jeff, that we've, we're now going to enter a week of everything that we say about Portugal is, is going to point to us, then, point to them being just not capable of taking on Fiji. But the end of every sentence is going to have to be, but what if they do? Because <laughs> that's the only way to sort of keep the head, keep the minds up, isn't it? Well, it is. But I think we've already been through all of this, right? So, it, you know, we equate it to the situation around Eddie and the Wallabies. I think most of us realised where the Wallabies were heading at this World Cup. But but nobody was was game enough to say it conclusively because mm. it was always, oh, yeah, what if Eddie does pull one out of his backside, you know? And, yeah, and yeah. no one wants to be made a fool of it. So there was always that chance that he would. Now, now that he hasn't, it's the same thing with Portugal, right? We all know that Fiji is way too good for Portugal. But... You know, you don't want to say it because what if Portugal does? <laughs> because what if they do? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> exactly. That's to your point exactly, Brett. It's a re- it's a really it's a really interesting one. Uh, it is a really interesting one, and I can imagine that they'll have now probably a couple of days off. I can imagine they probably won't run it, have another <coughs> run until Wednesday or Thursday. It'll be a bit of a light week, Harry, and and you know they'll yeah. watch the game next weekend, and they'll either pack their bags or they'll plan a training schedule for the following week. Yeah, that's true. I'm interested, actually, Jeff, what you think about this. So a lot of these 
emerging nations or upcoming nations, they, they, they learn the tactics of the top uh, teams and they kind of copy them. It's almost mimicry, but it's not the right yeah. mimicry because when you have a penalty in the middle of the field, five meters out and you're Portugal and you've had the Wallabies down there for a while, why would you kick from there to a lineout where you're either going to get a five meter or seven or eight or nine meter lineout? Mm. Then you have to throw against what is better about the tier one. You got Richie Arnold and you got mm. these like skyscrapers. Yeah. Then you have to win the lineout. Then you have to do something. You're probably going to start out worse than if you just took the tap. You have elusive runners. It's your chaotic unpredictability mm. that that is your benefit. I mean, did you see that a couple of times? I saw a lot of times where they were kind of going, oh, oh we have to do this. No, you don't. Mm. Yeah, no, we've seen that right through the tournament with the tier two teams. And and we see it. I'll tell you where we see it all the time. It's in the uh, Super W competition. So, yeah. so yes. the women's teams are copying the men's teams. That A lot of them have got male coaches. And they, they all... As you say, penalty in midfield, someone steps up to kick it to touch. They can barely make it to the sideline. So they're, they're, they're barely making 10 metres. They throw it into a line-out. They're 50-50 to win the line-out. And if they do, the halfback passes it back the same 10 metres that they just <laughs> right. made. And, yes. and, and, and if I was coaching one of those teams, the women's teams, the tier two teams, tap it, charge forward. Yeah. And uh, and get some momentum into your game and and do it that way. Uh, it requires a little bit of innovation, but everybody, as you say, wants to be. You know, there's a lot of homogeneity and and rugby coaching, mm. and and that's not always a good thing. And we we, we actually saw this the start of the rugby championship, if you, if you remember that that we all of a sudden there were teams taking quick taps in front of the post and going and pick and driving and and scoring more often than not. So you, you're right, Harry. It's a wonder that it hasn't kicked on and taken on a little bit more than it, than it has from on to stocks rising and, and things harry who did you have out of out of this apologies performance there was i mean they were, they were they were fine there was there were some good performances across the board though yeah so for my for a stock to rise it has to be down that's kind of my criteria yeah. right so I, I didn't come in thinking sam marquez and nuno susa guedes from portugal were that great but they were really good that number nine was truly uh, a pesky uh guide so I, I think i have to mention them on australia's side izzy perez i thought was really busy yeah. angus yeah. bell i suppose i will say stocks rising because of the length of time he played uh and i think every, every time a, a prop goes 70 plus nowadays um, I think Balatini had come in and out of games maybe a little bit. Uh, yeah. This one, he seemed really like I'm going to vindicate myself. He and then finally, Rebetti, wel welcome to the tournament. I thought, I thought he played – like I think all the rugby championship teams have seen that Corbetti a lot where, I mean, sometimes you look at the tackle and go, is that really a rugby tackle or not? I don't know. He just, you know, narrowly skates by. Yeah. But it was just brutal. And um, yeah. I, I think I'd point to those guys, yeah. Yeah, Jeff, who'd you have? Uh, well, I disqualified Angus Bell because I thought he's already risen. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so he, he misses out. For me, I think it's a bit of a cop-out, but I'm going to go for the whole team because uh, to your point before, Brett, about how difficult a week this week's going to be uh, for the Wallabies to prepare, certainly the last week must have been a hell of a week with uh, yeah. you know, the realisation of the loss to Wales, 
uh, all of the shit show around Eddie and and everything like that. So, you know, it's only Portugal, let's be frank, but for the side to get themselves up, come out and uh, and put at least put, you know, parts of a decent performance on on the pitch. Well, I'm happy for that. It's they've jagged the win in very difficult circumstances, and I'm also stocks rising for for them having a crack after the siren. It would have been easy to kick it out. Um, but, you know, oh. you can see there was guys in there that wanted to play. You know, they yeah. don't want to go home. They, You know, so I, mm. I, I give that a tick. Oh, I will give you that point, but we are going to come back to this topic. <laughs> we, are, <laughs> we are absolutely coming back to this topic. Brad, uh, Landlord is oh, not like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, Bell's carrying was just absolutely phenomenal in this game. And you're right, he's... His levels are already high, Harry, but he just seems to go better each game, and I, and I love that about him. I thought Valentini absolutely had his best game of the tournament. Tom Hooper was great in defence and, and work rate. And Andrew Kellaway yet again showed why his non-selection the first couple of games was just absolute madness, and there's no other way to, to describe that. He was He was so good, so composed at the back, and... And if there's a stocks falling to follow that straight on, it's that he's the guy that's coming off for Vunivalu to come on. And I don't <laughs> get that. Well, he's one of your best players on the field. Just leave him there. The composure that he gives you for the first first 60 minutes is absolutely going to be needed for the last 25 plus. So, but I'll throw in that again, this wide defensive alignment is all over the place. Portugal scored their first try down the right edge when uh, when uh, Conor Betty was well out of position. They should have scored another try down the left edge. There are too many line breaks being made down the wall of his flanks, and it's all because of this stupid defensive position that they're in, that they're employing. And I don't get it, and no one's really been able to explain to me why why it makes sense. So. Socks falling. Harry, keep going. I've got so many stocks falling, uh, so bear mm. with me. One, my stocks falling is the uh, the whole colorblind thing because uh, people that have had green and various shades of blue have had to change jerseys. But in this case, in certain angles in the sunlight, there was almost indistinguishable, these two jerseys. Uh, even the colorblindawareness.com people reached out to me and said, you're right. But apparently you had to agree before the tournament to change things. But it just seemed like very silly. Second one, the respect the kicker thing in the French stadiums is horrible. For the whole kick, Brett, they have this respect uh, respect yeah. kicker, which only is only going to make all the fans boo, jeer, hiss, right? Because yeah. it's like provocative. Instead of having the score or maybe watching the replay of, of what just happened, which occupies you and then you forget to do something rude. Um, why? So third thing, why are referees so anti-quick tap? I mean – my God, they're so persnickety about, oh, I'm sorry, but you were not within two blades of grass with the, the infringement. And wait, wait, wait. Just, I mean, like that is a moment in, <laughs> in the game where you could actually speed it, things up. And it, kind of, it kind of works counter to we play, we play, doesn't it? Like yeah, you, get like, kick, you, get, you, you get to kick the tee the way behind where you scored, right? Yeah. Why, can, why can you not tap about five meters down like in sevens? Yeah. You're, not, you're not on the mark that I didn't actually make. No, which is why, Harry, when in the, in the NRC in Australia, they had the, the allowance that as long as the tap was taken within a tabletop was the, 
That was the measurement. <laughs> now, what we never had explained was how big this table was. Right. But as long as you were within the tabletop of the mark, and obviously not and in front of it. Remember, there were some funny rules in the NRC. You were allowed to score a try going the opposite direction, remember? Home, own goals were a thing. Yes, that's it. That's it. That's it. Did you have, uh, did you have any stuff falling? Sorry, Harry. <laughs> that's right. Stocks falling... Um... I thought, like, looking at the whole tournament as, as a whole, maybe, I think the play from open side was poor for the Wallabies. Uh, McWright is really busy, but he doesn't seem to be able to kill rocks. And I thought the Portuguese were able to build rocks. Almost in, I think it lost one rock. 84 to 85 was the score there. That If you're a top-tier team, that's where you should really muck them up. Uh, I thought Nick Frost's uh, inability to get over the game line has been symptomatic of the whole Tournament, although he's injured, so I'm not going to down him, um, but maybe just a selection there. And then finally, I think just the idea that you would be able to have Ben Donaldson really steer the ship, that's still wrongheaded by the coaches. I actually think of the two guys, Carter Gordon and Ben Donaldson, it would be Ben that would have the most like damage from that. I mean, I, I could really get into your mind. He looked mm. very tentative. He put uh, a pass on Gross. It turned out okay, but it was in the first two minutes. He just totally missed somebody. He's, you know, yanked a kick. And that kind of stuff is in your muscle memory. Um, so I think there's stuff to 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 look back on there. And then finally, the TMO discussion where yeah. they were trying to talk about a try. And it literally, I started having, an, I had a headache. Um, I didn't know what they were talking about. They, they were going down a really bad uh, uh, road. And then Raynal jumped in there. And, and it just felt like this is going horribly wrong. Yeah, and Jeff, you, you, you can explain that all, but I think they saved it in the end, but it was horrible for a second. Uh, well, I don't know if I can explain it, but <laughs> it's, it's like a, you know, a, a Frenchman, an Englishwoman, and a Georgian walk into a bar. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know it's going to end badly, right? There is just no way that is a recipe for cohesiveness. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what we saw. Um, no, it was just a hell of a mess. Um, you know, and I think in the end, uh, Georgia probably had a case for a penalty try uh, out of all of that, which they did. Portugal, do. yeah, yeah. I, don't, I know why yeah. you're. I know why you're confused about Portugal and Georgia because the Georgia hooker, I think, uh, played two match. I think he played two matches. I think the Georgia <laughs> hooker was also the hooker for Portugal. Did, they did exactly look the same. the same. They did look the same. Yeah. Very tight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, I've got a few other stocks falling. Uh, so yeah. one to counter yours. Uh, Corabetti in defence, uh, you know, just all over the place, uh, shooting up, uh, missing. You know, he's trying to missing do by a long way too. Yeah, that's right. And and trying to do a hundred things at once, and I get that. <laughs> and and it was good to see him score a try, but you know, that's that's not going to cut it against the better sides. Um, I think uh, Pone Farmasili, uh, he. It's great what he's done to get himself up. He hasn't played a lot of rugby to get himself up into a World Cup. And uh, and and he has certainly improved by all accounts in the squad. But, you know, there isn't a game where he looks damaged. Uh, no. He doesn't look damaged after yeah. five or ten minutes. And today it was a bit unlucky. He took a really heavy fall. Um, you know, that could have happened to anybody. But I'd just love to see Pone just do something normal, just come out and play a yeah, game, yeah. come I, off after 50 minutes and have a rest and then get ready for next week, you know, without I'd, being damaged. I'd like uh, to see him have a pre-season, Jeff. He's, he well, actually hasn't played much he, rugby in two years, has he? 
yeah, so I think we're coming to that uh, a bit later. And my last stock's falling. Um, it's a special effort to be uh, yellow-carded in successive World Cups for foul play with the ball in your hand. With the ball in hand, yes. <laughs> uh, and, take a bow. I don't see anyone beating that. And that was interesting, isn't it? Because we, in our chat group, had a discussion on this, and I said this could well be red because I couldn't work out what was going to mitigate it down. And in the end, Harry, you were right. They said that there wasn't enough force. But holy moly, that must have been close. Yeah, I think it's the unwritten corollary, which is you can still get carded when you have the ball, but it's never seen as bad. If you did exactly the same yeah, thing with your arm, it's still worse. Yeah, that's fair. But when he he lifted and he pushed with it, there was there was a decent amount of, of force there. Look, I I said we're going to come back to it. The late decision making from the Wallabies when they're leading a game that they've already got the bonus point in, some of that was just dumb. At one point, they got the ball. Time was up. They just needed to kick it out, and they kicked it downfield. Portugal had two cracks at, at playing back at Australia after the after what should have been full time. Now, whether that scrum should have played or not, I, that's a debate for another day perhaps, but there were so many times there where Australia just needed to kick the ball out. End know, the game. That's true, Brett. But if I'm Isaac Fines and you're Josh Kemeny and you've hardly touched the ball playing for Australia and you know this is the last chance, mate, I'm going to play. I'm going to play every mm. time. Yeah. They weren't going to lose. They weren't going to lose the bonus point. So, you know, I'm forgiving them for that. Oh, I keep thinking about what Peter Fitz told us last week, Jeff. This is a test match. <laughs> Here's, uh, let's hear from uh, from Rob Valentini who was the uh, the official player of the match Rob fantastic performance on a personal note 11 carries 75 metres and a very difficult match um, how was it for you out there tonight? Yeah it was good um, I thought the boys dug deep uh, knowing it could be our last game and I thought uh, you know the boys did their jobs out there and made it easy for me and um, you know credit to Portugal they're a very solid team uh, can't believe this is their first World Cup. Uh, I know they're going to be a pair of come come a couple more years. So yeah, very grateful for the game. It was really tricky out there, wasn't it? Um, you know, uh, in terms of the battle up front, how important were the forwards out there? Because it was all of the tries being scored by the boys up front. Yeah, um, that's what we pride ourselves on uh, at the Wallabies. Just our forwards trying to get over their forwards. Um, you know, and it was good to see this week that uh, a lot of things that we did at training transferred to the field this week. And uh, yeah, just proud of the boys. Uh, you know, we dug deep and. We knew the game would be one in the forwards because uh, Portugal's got some slick backs. So, uh, yeah, we just had to be physical and dominant there. So, yeah, he was really good, Rob Bellatini. Uh, this, of course, wasn't Portugal's first Rugby World Cup, but we'll we'll let him off that. But he certainly was, was fantastic in this game. Uh, the other game, the other interesting game in this pool over the weekend was Fiji just getting over the top of Georgia on Saturday, 17-12 up in Toulouse. Um Quick thought on that. Fiji looked actually really ordinary, I've got to say, in that game. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in first, Harry. Yeah. Um, so they were they were a mess in the first half. It was mm. like they knew they had to score four tries and they wanted to do it in 10 minutes. Um, they were really scrappy. Uh, you know, they, they were strong enough and big enough to win in the end. Uh, I think that will really help them. I think you know, the developing nations 
need to learn how to win a bit ugly and a bit boring. And I think that's a real lesson for them uh, that that's what happens at this level, that you have to play within yourself sometimes. And, uh, and, and so they got the job done, and I think that will actually hold them in good stead for next week against Portugal. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to matchups too. Even at that level where you have a team that's clearly more athletically superior, they're just awkward matchups, you know. And I think Georgia just has a certain style that bothers bothers Fiji. And then I think that they'll run up against Portugal and put a, a real cricket score on them. Mm. Uh, Portugal will leave a lot of room. Uh, there'll be a lot of gaps. They'll want to go mano a mano. They'll want to sh- you know show they can shake and bake. That's never going to work in the Fiji. Georgia just kind of did what I'll call classic rugby and banged over goals from 50. And you can look yeah. at that score and suddenly you're down nine and you start to be, you know, you start to think, trying yes. to do too much. And, yeah. Jo- and, Georgia did to yeah. Fiji exactly what Fiji did to Australia. Yeah. And, and, let's, and let's remember, they should have been up uh, 16. They had that try yes. taken them off. Yeah, they should have. There was nothing wrong with that pass, that, no. especially by the standards of this tournament. Yeah. Uh, so that should have been 16. And I loved the way they played. They re- It was old-fashioned, yep. 100% grunt on defence and give it everything with the ball as well and then kick your goals when you got your chance. So. Yeah. Um, you know, they just ran out of petrol in the end and Fiji realised that if they muscled them and slowed things down a bit, they'd overcome them. Uh, yeah. But to me, that if I was a Georgian uh, player, I'd be really proud of that effort yesterday. Yeah, no, they were really, really good. They were really good. And we'll look at, uh, at all of these games in a little bit more depth in the weekly pod out in a few days. But, oh, it's a it's a funny feeling now. Like, is this the end? Yeah, the, the Wallabies Rugby World Cup's hopes now rest entirely on the result of, of Fiji-Portugal in Toulouse next weekend. Um, oh, I, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to be in the camp this week because I think it would be uh, – it, 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 it would be a real mental challenge to have to try and stay in the tournament Knowing that you're almost certainly out of it, and and maybe that is the the challenge of 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 of, uh, of, of coaching. But anyway, we'll we'll see how they all go. Um, thanks both for for uh, for having us a chat, Jeff. Thanks for joining us from from Spain. You've you've had an enjoyable week, evidently. Uh, well, it's been very busy. I was in Toulouse and I saw uh, Samar in uh, Japan. Uh, Samar very disappointing. Uh, well, Japan. Actually, not that crash shot either, I must admit. No. Um, so, uh, and I'm on my way to Nantes, uh by next weekend where I'll see Japan play Argentina. So that's uh, almost like an elimination match for mm. uh, the quarterfinal in that group. But uh, at this stage, I'd say very, very low likelihood of Japan upsetting Argentina. Yeah, yeah it seems like Argentina, Japan and Scotland, Ireland that the knockouts have started. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of absolutely yeah. ripping games next week, no doubt about it. But we'll have all the fallout uh, today, tomorrow, and throughout the week on the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate, the home of all your favourite Rugby World Cup analysis and opinions and conversations. Thanks so much for your company. Harry and I will be back on Wednesday morning Australian time where we'll have another great guest for another great episode of the Raw Rugby Podcast powered by ASICS. And we'll have a bit of, have a look a bit deeper into Australia's win over Portugal. Plus, we'll cast an eye a bit deeper into Pool D 
uh, the aforementioned Pool D, which is set for an intriguing finish next weekend. <laughs>